shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. What's our first Luxembourgish? Am I saying that right? Burgish or Borgish? Burgish. Borgish, yeah. Borg, Borg, Borgish shit show. Del, hi. Hi. The bagel late. She was just telling me about how she's mastered her New York bake. Well, why don't you do? You should be a baker. Why don't you start a know, why don't you start a bagel biz? Everyone says that. Well, I think if I touch my bagel lady in, in the Netherlands, I'll, I might do it as a side gig. But have you ever thought about they make that? it? I have. They make it difficult though to to get involved in the restaurant or industry here. So you have to have certain certifications or qualifications. It's not like the American ingenuity, like, hey, I'm gonna start my own bagel store. No, no, no. You have to dot your I's and cross your T's. And I don't have a degree in culinary arts or whatever they would probably require of me. So so do you want to explain on the, for people who don't know on a map where Luxembourg is? Yeah. So we are a small country, the size of Rhode Island. Um, and we're bordered by France in the South um, Germany in the east and Belgium in the west. So I'm about 20 minutes from each border, which is kind of cool. what's the history? The history of Luxembourg? Uh-huh. Complicated. Uh so Luxembourg actually started around 983. 1983. It was 983. Oh, 983. I was so like, okay. 983. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it was a it was a uh, the Count Siegfried uh started it and uh it basically became part of the uh, Netherlands Dutch um, royal family. And so today we are the only country in the world that has a grand duke. Um, so yeah, we still have royalty, although they're, um, I mean, I've, I've seen some of them. They're nice enough. <laughs> um, but it, the country used to be a lot bigger, but there were a couple of treaties that they basically took away parts that are now Germany and Belgium. So it's this small pint-sized country. Um, we have a lot of banks and we have uh, a big steel company. So for example, the new um, uh, World Trade Center has some Luxembourger mm-hmm. steel in it. Oh, cool. So is the, like, is there like a cat, like they live in a castle? Uh, so there is a palace. Uh Yeah, they do live in a castle actually up in Colmarbush. It's like 20 minutes outside the city and they have a palace, which they use for official business, like, um, meeting other royalty or, you know, meeting the ambassador of the U S or stuff like that. Would you compare it to British royalty? Like as far as how they're treated or no? No, God, no, no, there's not that obsession um i think we don't have a lot of because of the laws there's laws actually about defamation and stuff um so i think there's sort of a respect except for the grand duchess right she's originally from cuba Mm -hmm. (laughs) she met the grand duke in in undergrad i think um so no i mean I, i guess there's a respect for them but it's not anything like the the British royal family. And then are they involved in politics or no? No, they can't be that. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, they, they were separated from that 10, 15 years ago. So okay. they're just a figurehead is how I would put it. And then do you have, is it a prime minister or a president or what? We do. We have a, a gay prime minister. It's great. Oh. Um, Xavier Battelle. And he works out at my gym. So occasionally I see it. I mean, that's the cool thing about Luxembourg is like I met the U.S. ambassador the other day, Battelle, like our 
there's not a lot of like secret service. I mean, these people are very accessible to anyone living in Luxembourg. So um, is it like, yeah, is there like a celebrity aspect to it? Like, do pe- or not? Oh, there is with, with Xavier Battel for sure. And his scarf. So the joke is, you know, he wears a scarf and his scarf has its own account on Twitter and stuff. Um, yeah, because he's, he's been the prime minister for five years and he's, a, he's really personable. So it's like, a am probably one of the few people that don't have a picture with him, mainly because like I see him in the gym and I don't want to look elsewhere, <laughs> but everyone is like, Oh, you know, Hey, I'm going to get a picture with, Zaddy D or his cute husband. So yeah. It's funny. <laughs> okay, so what song do you want played when you walk into a room? Fuck You by Lily Allen. <laughs> Yeah, I still um I you know, I like that song cuz it's peppy but also because it's it I still have some issues with authority figures. So I really like the, you know, hey, fuck you very very much. <laughs> aspect of it. My favorite word. Um okay, um carb. Bagels. Although croissants here are amazing. So I've had to stop eating them because they're just so good. Actually, almond croissants are amazing. I one time had six bagels in 24 hours, so I can't like keep them in my house because I'll just fucking eat them. I Right? So. I know. And they only <laughs> stay like really nice and fresh for like such a short period of time. So do you freeze them or what do you do? Absolutely. Freeze them. Yeah. If I tell everyone if you're not going to eat them today, then freeze them. Mm-hmm. And do you have uh, mm-hmm. suggestions on reheating? Just stick it in the toaster? Just- toaster. Uh-huh. Yep. And you slice them before you freeze them? I don't, um, although you can. Uh-huh. Yeah. We can just talk. We'll just talk about bagels the whole time. Oh my God. Well, I'm going to be making two dozen after this. So Okay. Well, we know who won't be getting any of them is Ramiro because he does not respect the bagel. Oh, uh, he's, he's just not had a good one. Right? Just bread with a hole. Nope. Right he's not him. had a good one. Um, okay. Cheese. Ooh, I live in the land of cheese. Yeah, I bet you um, I like a good brie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've tried to, oh, so there's a cheese, you know, you can only get certain cheeses in Europe because they're not allowed in US. And there's something that, um, like it's fondue season right now. So Montour is sort of like the texture of brie. And it comes in this, um, it comes in this little wood package, but you heat it. And you have it like a fondue. So it's sort of like a brioche, tastes different, but you you bake it and then you dip like bread or whatever in it. I like a good Montour. And that's only, it's from cows that are near the Alps in France. And so it's only like this time of year, it's a winter cheese. When you say fondue season, are we just saying that because like it's cold out and so we're going to eat hot cheese? Is that why it's fondue season? Yeah, it's it's winter, right? Yeah. I mean, although it's 50 degrees here today, 50 Fahrenheit, so there's no snow. But yeah, it's the 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 season for fondue and, and really like cheesy stuff is, starts like November until February, March or something like that. Okay. Uh, condiment. Oh, it's got to be hot sauce. I have like seven of them open. Um, chili crisp, like I La Garma, and we have sriracha. We, I don't know. We have a lot of them. <laughs> Can you easily get it in a restaurant there or not so much? Oh, God, no. Yeah. 
So unfortunately, um, a lot of the European, and I'm generalizing here, palate is allergic to spice. Like some of my friends are married to French guys and they say that black pepper is too spicy for them. So interesting. Um, okay. So how did you find out you were an adult child? You know, that's a good question because um, I've always known that my family was screwed up. Let's put it that way. Let's let's start with that in that my father um, was a, a domestic, is, was domestic violence um, person. And he and my mom just had horrible, horrible fights. My oldest friend actually took me to an Alateen meeting when I was 13 mm. and said that my parents were dry drunks and I just didn't What do you mean it. your oldest friend? Uh, I've known her since oh. I was 13. Why? How did yeah. she know? Was she 13 as well? Yeah, she was like 12 or 13. Her mom was an Al-Anon and her dad was um, an alcoholic. Was, or was her dad sober? Uh, he got sober, but you know, I would just time. say he, was, he got dry. Uh-huh. Right. And and his her mom was an Al-Anon. So uh-huh. um, they were the safe people I always ran to, which is kind of funny. <laughs> you know, going from one dysfunctional family to another. And then I think I started hearing about um, adult children after one of my really crazy relationships of which I had many, um, I actually went to a CODA meeting and, um, that just didn't fit. And then finally, um, in 2004, I went to Al-Anon and, uh, then I was like, ah, oh, okay, this, this starts to make sense. And I think that's when I first started hearing about, you know, adult children, um, and then, you know, when I read the laundry list for the first time, I was like, yep, this is all me. Um, and then I found you through the recovery podcast mm-hmm. in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I listened to you when I was walking on my Camino. So that was a, that was great. That's so cool. It was nice to have, have your voice with me as I was walking like 300 miles. Yeah. Did you do the whole thing? Well, I know there's I several the trails, whole- but. Um, I did. Two thirds of the Francis, and then I went back this year and I did another one. I did the Portuguese um, coastal one, which was like 100, no, 220 miles. It's kind of my thing, it's very restorative. Do you do it alone? Um, did you do it with your husband? No, alone? Hike alone. Yeah, I did. And um, it was would kind you of a big plan deal. where you would you like plan all of your because I had a friend do it and she just like winged it, like they would just find a place to stay, but would you have it all planned out? I didn't have it all planned out, but because of COVID, I wasn't so, you know, 2021, October, 2021 was still peak COVID and I didn't want to be sharing a hostel room Mm -hmm. with everyone. Mm -hmm. So I just planned a day or two in advance Mm -hmm. and did it that way. And then this one too, the Portuguese one, um, I was looking more for, again, private rooms or, you know, so I just planned a day or two in advance. It's because when I go September, October, it's not peak. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a good time to go. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool that we do that. Um, okay. So do you feel like you had an adult child bottom? I think, yeah. I mean, I think it's also the bottom that it's, it's, I put Alan on an AC. Like, I think it's that, like I had these relationships that were just so horrible, like horrible on me. Um, you know, I, I see now that like I was dating alcoholics. Right? Real my picture. Oh yeah. 
and or or not if they weren't they were like you know adult unrecovered adult children or and I just was devastated Mm. after these relationships like and then I think I finally realized that it wasn't about them right it was about me like this devastation was not just about these men it was about like what was going on inside of me and granted I've been in was in therapy on and off since I was 17, but I don't think until my mid thirties is when I was really like, okay, this is like, I'm chasing after this alcoholic. <laughs> Do you know what it was yeah. that finally clicked for you? Um, I think I, I just, something about being like 34, 35 and just being single again and just being like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Like why, why am I with these guys who just treat me so shitty? Why am I allowing it? Why am I putting up with this? Like, you know, I've got a lot to offer someone. And if I truly want to be in a relationship one day. And then, yeah, when I walked into Al-Anon and like, you know, everyone's talking about the three C's. You know, you can't cure it. You can't, you didn't cause it, can't control it. Mm-hmm. And then really starting to look at my family by working the steps and realizing, oh, shit, like there's, alcoholism in my family like I my dad who I believe is an alcoholic um you know he had mental illness bipolar um and was violent a rageaholic and stuff and I didn't equate because this happened when he was sober he wasn't drunk when he was raging but then I also saw like how he drank every day and how he sent me to the store when I was six to go buy some beer ha 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 And I, you know, I remember very clearly, like, having a six-pack and going to the cash register. I think he was outside. And she's like, no, sweetie, you can't, you can't buy that, you know? And just feeling like, ah, you know, but I think I just didn't think about it for years. And then once I got into Al-Anon and I really started looking at the family and the family disease, I was like, okay. (laughs) Like, I knew they were dysfunctional, but this is a whole, um, this is a whole nother level. Did you have siblings? Um, I have a younger sister and I had an older brother who's deceased. He died by suicide because of, he was an alcoholic addict. And, you know, this was 20 years ago. Um, And, you know, I I feel for him because he couldn't find a solution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So talk about what it was like in your home. Oh horrible like chaos you know my dad was a workaholic he um actually was a doctor and he where were you in the east coast connecticut yeah so he was in a public health role um for the state of connecticut and he worked all the time and he again i'm I, i can't diagnose him but i'm seeing what i see is narcissistic like you know just crazy narcissistic crazy you know loved being in the public light and all of that and then um my mom got married quite young my mom was 21 i think he was 25 and he was still in the navy and i don't know according to my mom at some point she told me that she had been raped and that's why they got married and Mm. i don't know like you know i don't i don't know but it was just chaos right so he was a rageaholic and he would hit, hit my mom and I would hide in the closet. And so I just grew up being really, really afraid 
afraid to speak up, um, afraid to step out of line. You know, for me, it was like, okay, I'm the middle child. So it was easy to be forgotten. And my brother was the one who, you know, he started doing drugs and alcohol at 14. So they were always so just looking at him and like, how do we fix him and, and consumed with him? And my sister mm-hmm. was the youngest and she was the favorite. Mm-hmm. So I just tried to keep out of the way um, until I got, I think, into my teens. Um, and then, you know, we all went to private school. So I went to an all girls private school. I was a day student in Connecticut. And um, all of a sudden, when I was 16 and, and I had a car, I had some freedom, right? So I could spend the night. I had a way to get away from it all. Before I would call my friend, you know, when I was 12, 13, her mom would come pick me up and rescue me and take me away from the chaos. And then when I was 16, I was like, great, I, I can just avoid them. But the problem is they wouldn't be avoided. They seriously came to my school and like caused a scene a couple of times to try to get me to come home, which was like embarrassing and horrific. And, you know, just like, cr- not even cringe, just horrible. Like, you know, your parents are coming and they're yelling for you and they're creating this big scene in the dorm where you're hiding in one of your friend's rooms. You know, if they could have come upstairs and found me and took me away, they would have. Um, and it all came to a head uh, once I started college. So I I went away and then, you know, this is pre-internet. They had to call on the the door, you know, they had to call on the the floor. Where did you go to school? Colby in Maine. Uh Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, sometimes I wouldn't be available or I wouldn't call. And then they started threatening me financially. Right. So it's like, you better do this or we won't pay. So my senior year, you know, I can be, was quite mouthy to them because that was for me standing up to myself. It was, you know, it was funny, like, I'm not dealing with your bullshit. I just, something in me knew this was so, so wrong. Came to head senior year where they're like, we're cutting you off. My last semester of college. And they're like, we're not paying anymore. And I was like, fine, fuck you, which hence the song. I'm going to do this on my own. So I marched in the financial aid office and I think I was 21 at the time. And I was like, look, like they're not paying. And how do I do this? And I'm like, you know, even if I have to, so I got a student job, I got some loans, you know, I graduated on time. I moved off campus. Like it was stressful, but my whole life has been like survival, survival, survival. It's like, do what you need to do. And what was it in response to? I mean, obviously it's like nothing, but what was it? Because you weren't coming home or because you were. Well, I mean, yeah, they couldn't control me is what it really comes down to is like, I was like, you know, I'm like not putting up with their stuff. And I had a boyfriend who, yeah, that's a whole nother topic about my mother calling me a whore and a slut. And like, yeah, that's, (laughs) that's a whole nother thing. So you know, so I did move home because I, I, after graduation and I was like, okay, I'm going to find a job. I'm going to move to New York. I'm going to move to DC. I was working three jobs. So I worked a temp job at a bank. I was working retail and I was working at the restaurant. I had been working at for years as a hostess and my mom and I got into a fight and she called me at the bank and said, I've changed the locks. I put your clothes in garbage bags. They're on the front door. Come get them. And she did. And I called one of my, another um, friend of mine and I was like, 
can you help me come get the stuff? I moved in with my boyfriend and um, it's the first time I really didn't talk to my parents for over like a year. I ended up moving to New York, um, got a job, worked three jobs there, you know, got an apartment and just was like, fine. And I'm done with these people, but I wasn't done. <laughs> Good codependent. I am. I, you know, felt like I needed to go back. And so uh, a year or two later, I was home visiting my boyfriend who was um, the time he was in Connecticut, still in Connecticut. And I was like driving by our house to um, my parents' house to on the way to the dentist. And so on the way back, I was like, you know, I'm just going to stop by. And I knocked on the door and my mother answered. And she's like, yes. <laughs> I was like, hi. And that like, and then like, you know, life went on again with them and they just you know we didn't talk about it and at least I was out on my own um until I moved to Arizona to go to grad school and um, I was living with a different guy at this time who I thought I was going to marry and all that fun stuff um and my mom came out to visit and at this time oh, I was 25 26 so she was finally getting divorced from my dad 30 years of marriage and she my dad had already moved to DC left her in Connecticut started up with a woman and I don't know I think my mom just was finally tired of being a punching bag or yeah I was gonna say I mean was he just consistently abusive to her physically abusive throughout the whole relationship oh yeah yeah. I mean, to the point where like, I, I was afraid for her life. You know, there were, there were times that I was just, the police were always coming to our house. Like she would get mad, you know, they would have, was he ever arrested? No, of course not. Yeah. Of course not. This was the seventies and eighties. They didn't, and even the nineties, I didn't talk about it until OJ. Right. Mm -hmm. My friends knew something was going on. They didn't know what I never, it's a secret. I had to keep that secret. Were you ever told to keep it a secret or you just knew? Um, I just knew. Like, I don't know if they ever told me, but I think it, there was just such shame attached mm -hmm. to it. And no one would have believed, again, 70s, 80s, like no one talked about domestic violence. And, you know, like I couldn't even tell my closest friends. I think my oldest friend, Kathy, knew um, because I'm fairly certain because my aunt, who I talk to now, my dad's sister, she knew, you know, she knew everything that was going on. She saw it and like, you know, it just was sort of like, it's not our problem. So would she ever talk with you about it? Well, see, that's what happened is in my mid twenties, um, she came out to visit me in Arizona and the guy I was living with. And she just was asking me all these questions about my dad and like their relationship and being hit and all this. And I was like, I got flooded. I just... You know, I couldn't, I didn't know then that I had CPTSD or, or PTSD. Mm -hmm. And I just, I was like overwhelmed and flooded and, and, you know, um, so I asked her very nicely to leave, like, please, I need some alone time or whatever. Like you need to leave. Mm -hmm. And she wouldn't, and she just, it like escalated between us. So I did what I was taught to do in childhood. I called the cops. <laughs> And that was like, mm. she laughed and she's like, I'm never going to speak to you again. And it's been 27 years. So, wow. Yeah, like, that was it. Like, yeah. I mean, she, I had they gotten divorced at that point? She was in the middle of it. Uh huh. Yeah. 
So I, you know, I tried before I moved to Hong Kong, which was like two years later to reach out to her. And she wanted nothing to do with me. She's like, until you apologize, I don't want to talk to you. Sorry, my brother's funeral and my sister's wedding. And that's it. Like it's, you know, in my program, I tried to, to reach out a couple of times and stuff. And then I realized that, you know, it's like a bridge. You can't build a bridge one way, right? She's obviously for whatever reason, doesn't want to see me, doesn't want to have contact with me. So I just was like, you know what? Um, 27 years is a long time and I've had a lot of healing. I could probably have a very light and polite relationship, but I'm not going to pursue it. Yeah. What is, so what has been your understanding of how that has impacted you? Uh, I mean, I have huge mom issues and I have commitment issues and I never had kids because I thought I'd be a horrible mother. You know, I was just so afraid that I was going to um, be like my mom, you know, just be this cold, bitchy, um, caustic, mean woman, you know, and I'm actually okay not having kids. I'm actually kind of happy I didn't but it's still there's still a part of me it was like yeah I mean well it's almost like it wasn't your in a way it almost feels like not your choice it was it was almost like it was the option was taken away from you in a way it was I mean I always grew up and all my boyfriends like oh and I'm like no I don't want kids I don't want kids I don't want kids you know um and by the time my husband was 39 we got married I was 39 he was 38 and I was like yeah you know what no (laughs) like I'm just not into it. So do you have a relationship with your dad or did you after they got divorced at all? Um, You know, the thing is with both my parents is I think I fit that category of like, I tried, I tried, I tried, I tried. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't change enough or the boundaries I set with them were always disrespected. And so it was like, you know what? It's healthier for me to just mm-hmm. not have a relationship. And my mm-hmm. sister now doesn't have a relationship with my father either. That was about 10 years ago. I was like, um, my sister was going to Maine and I was going to join her to see my favorite person, my great aunt, when she was still around. And my dad's like, I'm coming. I'm like, no, this is me spending time with my sister and my nieces. Like, no. And I, he's like, well, I'm, I want to see everyone too. I'm like, look, if you come, I'm not going to be there. And so he showed up and I left with my husband. We just went away for a couple of days and I was like, nope, I'm done. Because he's also very verbally abusive still and shows no sign of awareness that he hurts people or, you know, he's, Mm -hmm. in fact, he probably is still physically abusive, but I think he's in his eighties now. But I know at some point I did ask my dad's wife, like, has he hit you? And she sort of didn't say anything, you know, so they've been together for 25 years. I'm like, yeah, why, why do I want to be with this person, be friends or child to this person who gives me nothing, like nothing. Mm -hmm. What's your relationship like with your sister? You know, I'm in recovery and she's not, um, we have a relationship, right. And, and I am trying to be the aunt that I want to be because my great aunt saved my ass. She was my person. And I think if it wasn't because of her, I would have been pregnant or gotten into drugs and alcohol. Like I had one person in my life that was there for me. Mm. We don't talk about anything. 
I mean, yeah, I was going to ask you, how do you feel like the child has, has impacted her? Oh God. I see a lot of me in her and, and how she parents, um, you know, she's, she's an attorney. She's like really stressed out. Um, she's got major walls up, you know, to me for sure. And to, I think to her daughters as well. Um, we don't, we don't talk about anything. Any information I find out is usually through my brother-in-law. That's how I found out this summer. He told my husband that my mom has cancer, stage four cancer. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, uh, she, I can't ask her about it because she's like, mom doesn't want you to know. I'm like, oh God, here we go again with the secrets. Mm-hmm. And she's not in recovery. I mean, I know she's had some therapies, so it's not like I can talk to her like I would talk to another recovery person. She just doesn't. Occasionally, when she was still talking to my dad, she would call me crying. And I, you know, I realize um, I don't want her to hurt. So I would try to like mom her or manage her or not anything but listen. So like, you know, that probably didn't help. Right. I think she just wanted me to listen. And here I am mm-hmm. like trying to tell her things, which I've really tried to stop doing. So we're not close as I would want us to be, but we do have a relationship, which I think because it's just the two of us now, I think that's important to both of us. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll ever be close, but it is what it is. What do you feel like was most important in fixing your broken picker? Alanon. Like I literally got in the program and um, really got in the program. And my first sponsor was fantastic. And I, you know, they say like they do an AA, you get in the middle of the program and, and man, I was just like in it, you know, and, and just, first of all, to keep away from the, the, my qualifier at the time, because he and I had history of on again, off again, on again, off again, on again, off again. And I like to say that this time he may have broken up with me, but I stayed away. <laughs> That's how yeah. I look at it. Uh-huh. Um, and then I did the year of like not dating and working the steps and, you know, at the end of the year, there was this guy at work and I was not interested at all because he was really nice. And, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. I, I told him that in the beginning of our relationship. I was like, oh, God. But I stayed in the program and, you know, I started dating him and I had the people in the program and my next sponsor and my therapist are like, no, you can't break up with him because he's boring. And and so like looking at mm, you know, like, why do I think he's boring and, and stuff like that? And, you know, it's been 17 years we've been together, which is a miracle. Like, you know, they say one day at a time, it's like, yeah, like today I don't want to divorce him. I might tomorrow, but as long as it's not like a continuous thing, I mean, it's not perfect. He's an unrecovered adult child himself for sure, but he's finally got into therapy two years ago and is realizing Uh, and starting to look at that too, which is, it's great. So with your challenges and looking for work for the past two years, I mean, it's hard for me to believe that, that your higher power is not involved in this for some reason. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's what are you, have you, have you been able to find kind of like the, the, the greater purpose in it? No, No, I mean, not yet. Like, I am so mad at my higher power. Really, I'm, like, pissed. I'm, like, why? Why are you doing this to me? Like, Mm. is it an ego thing? Is it, like, what is it that 
but then again, I have to take my ego and myself out of it. And I have to look at the reality because it is not just happening to me. It is actually, and I've had quite a few people who are from here and stuff. It's like, it's just the cult culture and stuff. And it's being a quote unquote outsider um, and having different ideas. And, you know, I'm a very strong woman in a, in a country that they're not so fond of strong women, you know, there is sort of that still patriarchal, uh, you know, women stay home with kids, attitude, um, sexism. So I've really had to also go back to like, I am not my dog. I am not my dog. And, well, that's what I was going to say is like, <laughs> is it an opportunity? Like was so, has so much of your identity been tied to that? And is this an yeah. opportunity to like, you know, get comfortable with yourself? Yeah, it, it has. It's like, you know, I'm not the amount of money I earn. I am not, you know, what I did for a living because so much of my life was striving for survival. It's like, okay, grad school and, you know, got to get, I made career decisions based on money because I needed to pay student loans off, um, you know, and I fell into a career that I'm good at because I am controlling, <laughs> right? Project management. But is you not enjoy it? Um, I enjoy some aspects of it. You know, I, I am a very much tick off the box, get things done. So it does appeal to that part. But obviously the challenge is, you know, we bring ourselves to work and it's like the triggers and all of that, which is, um, you know, that's, that scares me. You know, I, I fall very quickly back into work, um, you know, into like, not using my recovery tools or, or, you know, the whole thing about authority. Like I really have a hard time with um, men in the workplace. You know, it's that like people pleasing and mm -hmm. all of that fun stuff. Um, yeah. I can relate. <laughs> um, so give me, give me an example of how you've grown in the past year in general, um, I, want to sure. I know I am less controlling. I mean, I look at how I was 20 years ago and, um, you know, I realize what I'm doing today, which is good. <laughs> you know, like before I didn't even realize it. I mean, you know, I, I don't blame some of those guys for breaking up with me. Mm. Man, I would have broke the me now would have broken up with me because I used to do silent scorn or go hide in the bathroom or, you know, I just I didn't communicate my needs. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I, I still have challenges. You know, I'm still working on my anger. It's it's more of a anger against the patriarchy <laughs> type thing, like in the systems, right? It's it's but I mean, I get it. I get why it's all based in, you know, the relationship I had with my dad and not being able to speak. I mean, I have a voice today, which is great. Like I didn't used to have a voice. I, I just didn't say anything. Right. I didn't speak up. And and today I will. And I'm not so afraid of conflict. Right. I, I um, when I was working in the U.S. and like, you know, I had to learn how to how to do conflict, help, you know, health healthy conflict um so i don't like go cry in a corner all the time yeah <laughs> sometimes maybe you know like it's not that it's not triggering and, and i've been doing thinking a lot about um 
how much of that CPTSD showed up in the workplace for me, mm-hmm. you know, um, and how triggered I was and, you know, the tears and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm definitely more grateful, right? Gratitude was not in my vocabulary at all. And today I can find things to be grateful for. I mean, great. So I haven't been working for two years, but you know, hey, I've lost like 40 pounds. So, you know, there's, I've had the time to focus on. Yeah, and you've mastered your bagel recipe. And I mastered the bagel recipe. That's, that's key. Um, I've gotten a much better cooking. So yeah, I don't see the glass um, half empty anymore. You know, I, I can, it's not like black and white. I was so black and white in my thinking. And now I see the, the gray, the gray, right? Um, which is good. More compassion. I think it'll become very. I think it'll become very clear to you one day why it took you this long to get this to get a new job. You know, there's actually Janet Wotitz who wrote like the initial adult children book. She has one that's just about adult children in the workplace. I just started oh, reading it. It's called Self Sabotage Syndrome: Adult Children in the Workplace. So. Oh, I, need that. I just started looking at it. It's good. Um, okay, give me a hope or dream for the future, and you can't say finding a job. <laughs> oh gosh, you know that's hard for me. I still have a hard time dreaming because um, I'm so goal oriented that like I accomplish usually what I set out to do. So, I you know I I, I would hope that my sister and I could become closer. You know we don't have that much time left on this earth. And I do want to, you know, I, I do want to become closer with my nieces now that they're getting old enough. They're 15, 13 and four um, to have a good relationship. Right. I want to be closer and healthy with the family that I do have. Did they come and visit you there? They did. They came this summer. Um, we, we, I try to go one time a year to Texas and they try to come, well, they came last year. So we do, you know, we do try to see each other at least once a year. So yeah. And they gave me COVID. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice little welcome gift. Yeah, exactly. Well, this has been great. I love having you in the group. And thanks for being so honest. Thank you. I'm I'm glad to be in the group too. It's just been such a breath of fresh air. I've been craving, <laughs> craving it. So thank you. Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always, sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups, and it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adultchild. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adultchildpod, and give me a damn five-star rating on Apple and Spotify, and I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye! Let it